You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. If you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune in to WP88.7. Brave new radio. We got managers, producers, record labels, concert promoters galore. Wednesday at 8 p.m. There we go. Music Biz 101 and more. Brave New Radio. We're at Nashville at Music Biz. So Music Biz at Music Biz in the Music City this year. My associate, Dr. Esteban Marconi, is on assignments, but we have Ali Medico here, who is... Uh, Ali. I said <laughs> Ali. I said yeah. Ali when I spoke to you earlier, then I butchered it when it really counted. So Ali, uh, yes. Ali Medico, uh, and you're at uh, Full Sail University. University. And you graduate next year. Yes. And what is your major there? Music production. Music production. So what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, well, I want to be like that one-stop show, but like more in the field of women. So like producer, engineer, singer, songwriter, like all those things combined. Right. And then take it from there into other fields of entertainment, but start mainly with biz- uh, music. All right. Great. Yeah. Okay. And we have our guest is uh, going to be in a moment, James Donio, who is the president of the Music Biz Association. Mm-hmm. Should we call you James, yes. Jim, Jimbo, Jimmy. Today. Okay, we'll do James. <laughs> Let's do James today. <laughs> okay, before we get to that, we want to give thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno Inc. and White Hat Management. Aaron Van Dyne is one of our professors, and he enabled us to be here mm-hmm. today. And with artists like Dave Matthews, Three Doors Down, St. Vincent and Kiss, there's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to vb-cpa.com when you're ready. We also want to give thanks to Christine Oyveye, Wealth Manager and the President of Oyveye Wealth Management. Christine has helped many of our professionals at William Patterson and everywhere else manage their investments and plan after their retirement. If you're looking for some guidance on how to plan out for your retirement or if you have questions on anything from investments to portfolio management, management to insurance, give Christine a call. Repeat after me, Ali. Ali. <laughs> Repeat after me, 732. 732. 455. 455. 1510. 1510. That was very good. <laughs> or you can email her, repeat after me, Christine. Christine. At. At. Oi. Oi. They wealth. They wealth. Dot com. Dot com. Leave the last oi off for savings. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no oi there. So listen to musicbiz101wp.com. Don't listen. There's nothing to listen to. But go there. Sign up for the newsletter. You can always follow us Instagram, Twitter, the Facebook at musicbiz101wp. And of course, many of you will be listening to this as a podcast on iTunes, the SoundCloud, and the Spotify. So we should really get going, and we should stop fooling around, right, James? Yes. Let's do some interview <laughs> stuff, and we have Ali, 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 and she is going uh. to begin with this third degree of the president, El Hechefe. <laughs> All right. Give it a go. Sounds good. All right. So, Mr. Donio, correct? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Let me show I'm saying that right. Um, so, my first question for you is. How do you think artists should market themselves nowadays to really stand out, but also just in general? And why aren't really good people with lots of views and like whatnot, like they have really good 
credibility built up behind them. Like, why are they not getting signed as compared to other people that might just do like something that's a little bit less like of value or just maybe looked at as like stupid in a way? Um, why are they making it versus the people that actually have really good talent and so forth? Um, so the first thing that occurs to me is to say music's an art, not a science. Mm -hmm. So it's um, it's difficult to sort of apply what we would hope or think would be sort of a concrete methodology that if you do this and you do this and you do this and you're good and you're a nice person and you know people, then it will end with this. It just doesn't always, unfortunately, doesn't always end up that way. Um, marketing yourself, um, regardless of whether it's as an artist or in some field of the industry in terms of the business itself, um, requires you know, a number of things. In addition to running Music Biz, I am also a professor of mm. music business. I teach Introduction to the Music Business Ecosystem at Monmouth University in New Jersey. I'm in my sixth year doing that. And I just started in January, um, just finished my first semester um, teaching the recording industry and music business at Temple University in Philadelphia, which is my alma mater. Uh, so it was pretty special to be doing that. And so the 200 or so students that have now sort of been in my classes over these six years have run the gamut. Um, I've had songwriters, I have had a budding artists, not just budding, but all already artists and students who wanna be, you know, marketing. As a president of the association and having been at the association for 31 years, obviously, like, people have crossed my paths at events and in variety of ways asking sort of that same question as though there's some magic, you know, answer to like, what is the way? So there is no single way. Mm -hmm. And the ways among the many ways have changed over, over time. Um, you know, artists and creatives and executives getting into the business today are, um, you know, have the opportunity to use so many new tools um, social media and you know other rel tools related to social media that you know artists or executives of a previous generation didn't have those tools mm -hmm. so you cannot make it in any of these various areas today without a social media presence to um, build a network if you're kind of looking on the executive side build a fan base um, one of the things that I preach a lot is that sort of the resume today. So what's what's an artist's resume? Mm -hmm. So the talking about getting signed to a label or whether you need to be with a label, whatever that is, but the metrics kind of today really are like at a different level than just like going in and playing your music um, or having someone read songs that you've written, the lyrics, and then hear the music. It's about, okay, well, what's, what do you already have going for you? So if you have YouTube um, videos, how many views have you had? If you have Instagram followers and Facebook followers and Twitter um, metrics around you, what do they look like? So part of your, I call it, but, you know, the resume, mm -hmm. comparing it to the historic, you know, one sheet written resume, now the resume is including, like, data. Because guess what? The music business today is an information-driven business. The talent has to be there, 
sometimes we would question, depending on what we like and don't like, whether there really truly is talent. Mm -hmm. um, so that's got to be there. But that's like sort of your baseline. Then you go beyond that and you say, wow, kind of what else is there? And now we're measuring everything in the number of times people listen to something. That's true. Where there was a point mm -hmm. in time where exclusively it was about putting out a thing and you bought the thing and then you took the thing home and you opened the thing and you put the thing in another thing and you listened to the thing. Mm -hmm. And then after you listened to the thing, you took the thing out of the other thing, put it back into the original thing and stored it in another thing. Now that still exists mm -hmm. happily. And I think it's amazing and wonderful that all of that still exists. And I'm one of those who believes that it will always exist. There will always be a physical manifestation. Humans like to own and collect things. So I always believe that's there. But the majority, the, you know, the overwhelming sort of needle move in terms of the business right now is around a song-based business that is relying upon how many times people listen to something. So circling back to your question, it's like, knowing that and knowing that at any given moment you have access to anything you could possibly want to listen to. How do you market? Mm -hmm. How do you set yourself apart? How do labels decide among all of these you know, opportunities on this spectrum of choice what makes things stand out? So building fan bases, building networks of you know, colleagues and people who know what you're doing and watching what you're doing, um, those measurements have really kind of risen to the top of when you're making decisions about how, you've got, you cannot overlook that that's gotta be your baseline. Which is a battle because you started the whole thing saying music is art. Mm -hmm. And then all we've talked about since is, is the science of it, basically, mm -hmm. which is that's why interesting. Started, yeah. That's why I started with that, because mm -hmm. you know, our, our inspiration is that music's an art and not a science. Mm -hmm. But the way, to answer her question, mm -hmm. the way in which your question gets answered is all now based on information and mm -hmm. metrics and, and science and people analyzing, you know, why would this get this many listens, but this wouldn't get this many listens. It's the same genre, they're very similar. How can you, you know, make that determination? Um, you know, there's an ephemeral, hard to pin down element to art and to what people like and why someone likes this as opposed to that when yeah. everything instinctively that would you be saying in your head, but you should like this. If you mm -hmm. like this, you should like this. It doesn't always work that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's recommendation engines and you know, electronic curation, and there's all these kinds of um, methodologies, and they're all great, and they underpin, you know, a lot of what's out there in the business today in terms of the services. Um, but even with all of that, there's just still a human element to all of this that may not necessarily say that one and one is two. Mm -hmm. That's a good answer, yeah. May I have one more follow-up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. In your teaching at Temple and at Monmouth, you're teaching different students who are, some are artists, some want to be in the business, mm -hmm. and those who are artists are, I'm sure, different genres of music. Mm -hmm. Have you come across a number of artists who hate the way that it is now because they just want to go out and play, and yes. they do not want to do any of the extra stuff? Yeah. 
So I wouldn't say that they don't want they don't want to do it, but I would say yes to the first portion of your question, which is um, even though they are <clears throat> 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 in sort of the range, so that um, because they're invested in this, they do have they do have an understanding of how it used to be um, because they really want to be part of this business. So they've done their homework, and it is there is a, a level of frustration because. In, in, in the rest of their lives, of course they're doing all those other things, but not necessarily as it relates to their art. So when they have to combine what their normal behavior is, always being on their phone, um, you know, following people, messaging, doing all that behavior, that's just ingrained behavior in us now. But when it does relate to themselves and to their own art, and they realize how tough this is. Mm -hmm. You know, I start out every semester of every class um, with two two statements, not necessarily immediately one after the other, but that the music business is not for the faint of heart is one of my admonitions at the beginning of a, of a semester, and that the music business can at times be a really unforgiving business. Um, those are both true, however, if you have been invested with the visceral passion, commitment, where you truly feel that breath cannot come out of you if you're not involved with this, you kind of have to have that as the baseline. You have to believe that in mm -hmm. yourself, in your art, in your intelligence to be able to understand what you need to do to achieve your dreams and what you want to do. But even with all of that, even with all of that, it's just, it's so competitive. It's really hard. So few really make it to that, you know, top of the pyramid. So that's my class is basically about all the other things that you can do. So understanding that you could be in publishing, you could be at a PR agency, you could work for a brand, you could work for a conference or an award show, you could be a tour manager or work for a venue. Those are all part of the music business. Mm -hmm. It may not mean that you're the next pop star or the next you know, country member of the Country Music Hall of Fame, but you will still be part of the music business and your art will always be there and it will become part of your life however it fits in, but it may not be the thing that's gonna you know, be the only thing that you will ever do. Mm -hmm. Right, that's true. Do you have anything else to follow no, up with you, that? You move okay, on. that was a really good answer. Thank you so much. Like I, wow, you said some things that like really stuck out to me, and I was like, you put it in a good way too to make it easy to understand, but then like see the the future of it as well, and then you, I can tell that you understand the past. I mean, you've seen a lot mm -hmm. change, and it's a very constantly changing industry. I mean, this is the one thing that I think people that aren't tough they can't go into this. Like that's another thing too that mm -hmm. probably deters a lot of them. People if they really want to make it, I mean, it is really about the grind, like more than ever so um moving well, on uh, i don't know if it's more than ever i'm just mincing words here mm -hmm. i just think the grind is different now yeah. and i think maybe it could be more than ever because now when you're let's say you're a touring musician and i'm back at the hotel i'm not i don't have time to sit and just sit with my bottle of jd and and mm -hmm. you know do that now mm -hmm. i actually have to get on instagram mm -hmm. and i have to post some post, stuff yeah. or i have to dm people or i have mm -hmm. to do something you mm -hmm. know so it's mm -hmm it almost becomes more 24 seven and that's where it takes over from the art because in the brain yeah. you have the creative side of your brain yeah. and then you have the, so I th that. Yeah, yeah, so I think you're both right. 
I think she's right in saying it. I think it is harder. Mm -hmm. I think it is harder mm -hmm. than it ever was, because that's the part where you're right. Yeah. The the art, and the inspiration and the creation, is that doesn't change. That's always there. It's what's happened to you. What have I lived? Um, what joy have I had? What sorrow have I had? What fun have I had? I mean, wherever whatever music comes from, because I believe that um, music is magic. So wherever that, wherever the genesis of that is, that's never changed. That will never change. That creative spark of magic or genius, that will never change. But the other part, which is making it once the creative magic and genius is there, that's never been harder because there's so many more, mm -hmm. there's just so many more boxes you've got to check yeah. on this list, you know, yeah. of, you know, did I do this? Yes, check the Instagram, check Facebook. Um, you know, check LinkedIn is even a piece of this now because mm -hmm. you're looking to build a team of people. So, you know, you're maybe looking for, you know, your publicist just said she's pregnant and so now she's moving on. Now I got to mm -hmm. find a new publicist. Or, you know, I finally got booked for this festival or this tour. I've never really thought very much about like my visual brand. So, should I have a stylist now? So maybe I've got to go on LinkedIn. And I've got to start finding, like, does somebody know somebody who's a stylist who can help me decide, like, what my visual brand should be? What should I be wearing? It's just, like, all of those things. Because the other big shift, the other big change, and I preach this a lot as well, is that there will never, from this moment forward, and it has been for a while, but it will, there will never be a moment in time where music and some visual manifestation of the music will ever kind of be separated inextricably again. There's just so much imagery mm -hmm. that's connected in terms of video, but now we're gonna have, you know, we have artificial intelligence and virtual reality. So the experience of music, listening is at the baseline, but now there's all these other stages of the experience. So you do have to think about kind of like, how do I look, mm -hmm. how am I dressed, what, you know what font am I using? You know what what does my what does my font say about me? Right. <laughs> you know? What graphics things, yeah. are there? Should there be motion graphics? Mm -hmm. So you get now into I had a student in this semester um, who wants to do motion graphics for artists. That's what he really wants to do because he's a blend of um, of a graphic artist and he loves music and he knows instinctively that that's really gonna be a growing field because mm -hmm. there's probably not a whole lot of people who've devoted a foundational career in motion yeah. graphics for the music business. So these are like these are th new careers, paths, because of all these dynamics. New career paths are just going to like pop up and then if someone's sort of like there in that moment to sort of grab that opportunity. So we're gonna see more of that, definitely. Wow. We actually had uh, Julie Swidler, who is the general counsel for Sony Music Entertainment at William Patterson a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about the number of jobs, the types of jobs that are just expanding right now. Things that, you know, because it's a tech industry. If you think of Spotify as a tech company, it's yeah. not really a music company. Mm -hmm. It does tech mm -hmm. within music. But companies like that, like you're looking for people who can do coding now. And they're part of the music business because they're. Looking, they're mm -hmm. Yeah, they're yeah. looking for people who can do coding. And I, um, one of my, one, one of the lectures that I do, one of the weeks, <coughs> is, um, is big data. 
and I talk about general, sort of generalized big data and how data is just infused in like our daily lives and kind of everything we do. Then I kind of segue into metadata and explain like, you know, what is that? Like, what is metadata? And as a result of that, everyone sort of gets this understanding that, wow, you know, we're talking about, you know, we've come from hundreds of thousands to millions to billions to trillions of streams, views, and I'm telling them, okay, by the time you graduate, like, what will we be talking about? I mean, who will be the first artist? What will be the first creative um, execution or creative output to go to a quadrillion? Mm -hmm. Like, that's coming. Mm -hmm. It's coming. It's going to come, you know, in the not too distant future. And like, is that going to just keep, because every benchmark that's passed, think about all of the metadata that underpins every one of those potentially quadrillion streams has all this metadata underneath of it, all which represents all the entities that are involved in that particular song. You talked about wanting to be, you know, involved with engineering and production, the creation of things. So that's a piece of it. And then the songwriting is a piece of it. And then there's metadata underneath it that might relate to merchandising, merch for an artist, or images of that artist. All of that's all the metadata that's underneath of a song. And so measuring it is a task. So that's why, you know, industries and big companies are looking for particularly young people who love music but have a head for sort of numbers and strategy and analysis because measuring it is a big enough, that's a big enough issue. That's mm -hmm. a big enough mm -hmm. challenge. Once you get through measuring quadrillions of things, then who's going to analyze all that data and tell you how you can manage it? Like what decisions are we now going to make based on our like measuring that like this particular like new artist got a trillion streams of this new song? Wow. Like, where did they come from? What age were these people? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then come up with a, an, an, a strategy and then ultimately some sort of integrated marketing, you talked about marketing, a marketing plan that involves social media based on measuring all that, you know, all of those listens and what does that tell you? That's, that's not a job, that's like multiple jobs with growing departments in the labels, but also in Google and YouTube and Spotify and Amazon and Apple. You know, that's where the, that's, that's a growth area. It's not the sexiest thing. And I rarely have students, rarely. I maybe I've had maybe one student a semester for all of my six years who said, you know, when you, we had that lecture, I would not have thought of that, but I actually am really interested in that. Like, I love music, but I think I really do have a head for the data space. And I'm like, you're golden, kid, because they're looking for you. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to come in at like 20-something years old with all of this very relevant, very um, contemporary experience with this because of your behavior and your colleagues and friends' behavior that you can come in and say, look, here's how, here's what I know. Here's how this, here's what goes down with this kind of behavior. 
and be able to like invest yourself in helping these companies understand the behavior of your demographic and then actually have the you know the intelligence to like run a department or be part of a department so i think that's like a whole new like horizon yeah. that we're at because these numbers aren't going in the other direction mm -hmm. that's the other thing oh yeah no. you know we're not going to start to see fewer streams or views of anything it's only going to get more and that's mm -hmm. going to be a massive mammoth amount of information we'll wait till markets like especially india for example, mm -hmm. that's a billion people. That's, there are a lot more phones that can be bought in so India. So just think that's, about mm -hmm. that. That's just one giant that's country. That's just one giant yeah. country. If, if China opened up too, then. And think about the exponential growth. Yeah. So thinking about, and when I'm using those references, I'm obviously I'm not talking about the United States. Mm -hmm. So adding in what you just talked about, you know, add in industry, uh, India and China. So getting to a quadrillion of something, it just probably doesn't seem like that far off, and I'm not, I'm not predicting when it's gonna happen, but would we have thought we'd get to a trillion streams mm -hmm. that fast? I don't think so. Cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's true, wow. Blowing your mind here. Yeah, yeah. oh my gosh. This is better than college. <laughs> yeah. Just come Literally. to music biz. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna tell my friends to come next year. Um, <laughs> I guess my next good question to ask, um, well, yeah, this one's I think was really interesting. One of my favorites that I wrote down, because I've been talking with my friends, obviously, you know, after I graduate, and like I'm from Orlando, so the mm -hmm. music industry like used to be there, um, you know, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys yeah, really yeah, brought yeah. it on, but now more so it's just an undercover type thing. So um, I'm looking to pr probably eventually move from there. Um, and in terms of that, so what would be the best option for somebody as an artist or just trying to get a job in general, like? Would it be to stay where they live so they don't have to relocate and go through the whole process and with the fear, you know, of moving somewhere and then not really having that security of a job or maybe people they know those connections they need to get going mm -hmm. in it? Or should they move, just take on that fear and move to the cities like New York, L.A., Nashville, maybe Atlanta, where the industries are? Or do you think that they should, like, hope to just keep on working their things and, like, get noticed so they get asked to move or, like be be somewhere else so they can be closer to those things mm -hmm. like which one of those do you think is like the best option for like students like young professionals mm -hmm. nowadays because there's a so lot there's no there's no best option mm -hmm. that is the number one question that i get asked That's at the end of the semester by every class i've had <laughs> for so the funny. past six years when they come up at the end yeah it's like this has been great i've learned so much now i'm graduating you know, what should I do? Mm -hmm. Where should I go? I want to be a songwriter. I want to work in, you know, for a label. I want to go in management. I want to be an engineer. I want to work at a venue. And there's no easy one-size-fits-all answer to that because mm -hmm. there's a lot of, um, there are personal and professional components to doing your analysis to answer that question. So, um, so what's your financial situation? What's your financial underpinning? Mm -hmm. Can you afford to move to New York or Nashville or LA? And are you prepared to wait tables, um, you know, or drive Uber or Lyft um, or work at Starbucks? Are you prepared to do that, uh, you know, in the service of your art or in the service of your desire to be in the industry? Because that's a question, okay? Yeah. Can you do that? Um, are your parents prepared 
to pay for an apartment for you for a year so that you can really not have to do all those other things and really you know, attempt to experience your art? The answer to those first two examples is no. Mm -hmm. Then you probably do have to, to source what's in your area. So we're in the Philadelphia, general Philadelphia area. South Jersey, there's not a whole lot to, to do in South Jersey mm -hmm. where the music industry is concerned. There's a handful of companies, but not a lot. Philadelphia has a strong, you know, a strong music identity, but there's not a lot of sort of big corporate entities there where you could go in and see that there's gonna be a growth pattern. There's amazing companies so I do give a lot of advice and I make connections for people to work there. So that's really helpful. But there's no question that, you know, if you're going to roll the dice, you're going to roll the dice in New York, in Nashville or L.A. And then probably next tier, you mentioned Atlanta, um, Chicago, uh, even Vegas. I think people, I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, and I brought it up in class lately that um, Vegas doesn't generally get mentioned. Mm -mm. So if you think about entertainment, mm -hmm. you know, as sort of a broad umbrella, and if you think about all the live entertainment that's in Vegas, and if that's your interest, so if you're interested in tour management or the live industry, um, you know, concert production, any, some, any facet of that, um, Vegas doesn't generally come up very much. Maybe it, because it's not thought of as like a desirable place to want to live. Mm -hmm. But guess what? You know, there's, you know, it's an interesting place and maybe a place to consider. So I'd kind of add that to the list. Um, in any case, my, my sort of summation advice generally is you just have to, you know, really do some soul searching and make a determination that's going to have to balance your personal and your professional situation and your financial situation. And um, if you're going to roll the dice, if you're gonna take a risk, now's when I would do it. Mm -hmm. So I do encourage, um, I do encourage kind of putting yourself out there. That's a big theme of, of my, um, of my courses and my learnings that I try to put out there is you do have to take some risk and you do have to be willing to put yourself out there. But I balance that against, you know, if a student really confides to me that they just, the, the, the financial underpinnings just really aren't there and they would be really putting themselves in, um, at risk to take too much of a risk. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so um, I, I, I'm cautionary, I'm, I'm encouraging, but cautionary. And there's no one magic, you know, there's no one magic answer. I would, I would say a lot more of my students have made the move to Nashville. Mm -hmm. If I had to look at the three sort of general things that people come up with, um, Nashville's now, I would say, is probably one, and New York's probably two, and LA is probably three um, because of where I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. You know, LA is a big, that's a big leap yeah. if you have um, a network of support and family. LA is pretty far away. Mm -hmm. So New York and, and Nashville, I think, 
there's just there are a lot of opportunities. Nashville's like, wow, it's just growing just about every significant company in the music industry has a presence here mm-hmm. now in Nashville and are hiring and and expanding those opportunities. Um, so yeah, I mean there's no there's it's not a one size fits all answer. It's mm-hmm. just it's a very individual decision. But I I offer to all of my students the opportunity to talk with me about it and I give I think I think I give pretty balanced advice. Would you you probably would give similar advice, yeah, yeah, would you it's, not? It's the three. It's mm-hmm. the, um, so if I'm in North Jersey, so they're they're already pretty close. Yeah. But if they're talking about going somewhere else, we say, or students who are coming in and they're looking for a, a university, we say go somewhere near New York, Nashville, LA. Port and LA. that reason is because of uh, internships. Mm-hmm. Yes, too. Because it's mm-hmm. hard. Now, Philly does have some cool places, which is interesting, but I know some universities in Pennsylvania too far from Philly where they might have music business programs, for example, but there's nowhere to intern. No, um, no. Which, which and they wind bad. up, yeah, and they wind up in, they wind up in Philadelphia. As a result of that, they may do two years somewhere else and then mm-hmm. realize for that reason. Because that's one of the other, one of the other, like, absolute, on the checklist, is it's, in terms of the business side, it would, it would be virtually impossible unless you like it's your cousin you know mm. or your grandfather or something to get a job if you have had no internships it's there's just too many people who want the jobs it's just too competitive especially mm. now it's it's changed because when i started i graduated college in 1990 and i had two internships and at the same company it turned into a job now i would tell me you know 21 year old me that i should have started at latest sophomore year mm-hmm. of college. I was talking to a student the other day um, who just finished her sophomore year, and I said, you should get an internship now. Mm-hmm. And be- between now and end of senior year, that's six potential internships Absolutely. you can get. And if yeah. one of them has to be, I, I'm not getting paid for one, but you need a part-time job, then you have to go to a to a venue. You have to get a part-time yes. job mm-hmm. in the industry. It can't be Yeah, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes things, I'm... I'm a very big fatalist. Uh, I have kind of led my life very much around, um, I'm Libra also, so I'm sort of like the balance of the scales. I'm, I'm very over analytical. I really sometimes like analyze things to death because you just, Libras were always searching for like that right balance of everything. Mm-hmm. And fate is um, also really important to me. Um, so you just, one of my other hallmarks of what I teach is that you just never know where something's going to manifest itself. There's a bit, like fate is fate's there whether you believe in fate or not. It's there, and um, I, I always tell this story that I was at a 50th birthday party for a friend, and I went up to the bar to get a drink, and you know, woman sidles up sort of next to me to also get a drink, and you know, I didn't know her. And you start conversation, oh, how do you know Anthony? Oh, we said how each we knew him. Um, What do you do? Oh, you know, she said she was um, a chemist, which that was really interesting to me. You don't meet too many chemists. And so she said, what did I do? And she, like, stopped in her tracks as soon as I said what it was. And she said, "My, my daughter's best friend would he would kill do you take internships like it's this is his dream 
And I said, well, what year is he? And she said he was a freshman. I said, well, generally, you know, we don't as a freshman. Mm -hmm. I said, but, you know, send the resume and I'll have him come in and I'll have some people meet with him. And so she did. And he came in and he was like amazing. I didn't interview him. I met him, but I didn't interview him. My staff interviewed him. And they came to me afterward and they said, this kid, he already has, and he's a freshman, he already has an internship at a PR firm, and he's amazing. You should meet him. So I did, and he was a Temple student. I was Temple, so that was like, mm -hmm. the bond was there. And I agreed. I said, like, this kid's amazing. So he got the internship as a freshman and continued, and we just kept him. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. I helped him get internships at Warner and helped him for another company in LA. LA wasn't for him. He came back. Mm -hmm. We had then taken on someone else part-time. She didn't work out. He came back part-time, then became full-time. I got funding to make it a full-time job. And um, he just got promoted. Now he's been with us seven years. He's here, so you can meet him. Oh, cool. His name is Nick Maley, and he's now my director of events, marketing, and partnerships, which all started out with a drink at a bar, at a party, mm -hmm. with two people that weren't even directly connected to him. Mm -hmm. So think about that. It's just, to me, it's the, like the perfect story that underscores it's just there's fate, there's luck, and there's just when you know you're out in the universe, you just don't know. Mm -hmm. Like I preach that also. I've said preach a lot, but I preach that also a lot about encouraging my students. And I have a lot of my students here at the conference from Temple and Monmouth that I guarantee you this. If, if you put yourself out there, then the universe may send you opportunities. Mm -hmm. If you don't put yourself out there, I, and I can't guarantee you what's gonna happen, but putting yourself out there, things will happen. If you don't put yourself out there, I absolutely can guarantee you nothing's gonna yeah. happen. Mm -hmm. It sounds so simplistic and you think, oh, like there's so many things in life that really are, we complicate them, and mm -hmm. I do as a Libra, yeah. but we, we overcomplicate things. That's such a simple thing. And if you wanna do this for a life, and for a career, then you need to come to events like Music Biz. You need to come to conferences like this mm -hmm. and others. Um, but it could be as unlikely as the person who's standing behind you in line, like I always say, like at the supermarket or sitting next to you at a concert. Could end up being somebody who works for the management company of the artist that's playing. Mm -hmm. Or it could be the sister of somebody who works for the management company. And you start a conversation you say, oh, I'm you know, music business student. You know, oh, really? That's really cool. My brother works for the management company. Wow, I'm, management's really the area that I want to go into. Well, wow, do you want to stick around after the show? I'll introduce you to my... That happens. Mm -hmm. That's not... I'm not making that up. That's like a real scenario that can happen. Yeah. And I truly believe that you can manifest, like, those... You can manifest those opportunities by being not sitting there and not talking to that person next to you because you just don't know. Right. You'll enjoy the concert, but you'd never know that that was the sister of the manager of the artist that was on stage. Mm -hmm. So it's like make 
you know, like make things happen. It's that's just that's a big part. That's a big part of me, but that's a big part of what I I won't say preach again. That's a big <laughs> part of what I try to manifest in my in my students. Yeah, that's it. Wow. Do you have anything? Any follow up questions for that? No, that's great. I have another student who uh, just put out a lot of music, and her mother was doing that, was talking to somebody on the phone about car insurance. And that woman's brother happens to manage boys to men. So since then, the guy's flown out to meet her to potentially see, manage see, her. So it's see, that it's exact real. same thing. Yeah. It is real. Um, so we're headquartered in just this town in South Jersey called Marlton, New Jersey. And um, it's just, it's obviously not a hotbed for, you know, people are kind of dumbstruck when we say, oh, the music business, this international, you know, organization that has like thousands of people involved in this huge event is located where it's located. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> it's like unlikely that like a connection is going to get made. But, you know, one of my other uh, people on my staff, um, Evelyn Dichter, um, you know, made friends or connected with this woman and they started talking and, you know, they became friends. And at some point she said to um, Evelyn, the mother, the other woman said to Evelyn, you know, her daughter was really interested in, in the music business, but was trying to figure out where to go to school. And she'd been, she had gone to like a community college, um, but she wasn't happy. It just wasn't working for her. So she said, you know, the president of Music Biz actually teaches at Monmouth University. She applied to, Mon the daughter applied to Monmouth University and ended up in my class as, mm -hmm. as a student of mine. Mm -hmm. Like this is, like the universe, the universe is, is powerful. Mm -hmm. We just don't, we can't control it, but we can like put ourselves in it in a way that, you know, will make things happen. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. What else do you, what else have you got? Um. <laughs> that was a long answer to whatever yeah. the question was. I answer, was, I, my okay. answers are very long. Uh. Um, it's just, you know, I also joke with people, if you give me a microphone, that is my happy place. Uh -huh. <laughs> so you get what you get if you put a microphone in my hand. You like literally have to throw your body in front of me to stop me. <laughs> that's so funny I'm trying to think of what's the next best question to ask you since I mean the, I love the detail responses so keep them coming I guess we, you were mentioning this early with the the augmented reality I think it's AR the AI mm -hmm. artificial intelligence so where do you think the industry is going in the next five years and what kind of opportunities and challenges do you think are going to emerge from that yeah so it's already here so um, you know artists and labels and um tech companies have already kind of put their toe in the water. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was really cool the other night, and it was I know it was very expensive, and I know I've heard through the grapevine she invested a lot of her own money in it, but Madonna um, uh, did the first live performance of this Medellin, I don't know how you pronounce it, Med Medellin or Medellin, mm -hmm. this, this uh, sort of um, Spanish-English song that she did with Maluma uh, on the um, Billboard Awards. And so she had these, so her new album that's coming out in June is called Madame X. So it's like these different personas or personalities. Um, I can tell by the blank looks on both of your faces you didn't see this. Yeah. So <laughs> she had like four um, uh, 
I'm trying to think what order they called the um, when you have the creation of yourself oh, holograms. holograms. Yeah. So she had four sheep. I think she paid because she wanted this, and I guess the sh maybe the show. I don't know for sure if the. I don't think the show was paying for it. Um, she had four holograms of herself created, like a, like as the image of like different times in her career, different songs that she's done. It was really interesting. So I think we're going to see more of that. I mean, holograms on tour, we've seen that. Mm -hmm. But I think you're going to see artists right now, and as we look ahead, you're asking about the future, um, we're going to have to see things that create more experience. Because I still believe in the album. We have a big um, campaign here at the hotel. You'll see that's part of the conference. It's mm -hmm. called Celebrating the Album. So you'll see posters about how you can, like, um, go on bit.ly and there's like a little poll where you'll say what your favorite album is and what your think what you think the most iconic album artwork is and then you get entered into a contest but it's going to be the beginnings of like a program about celebrating albums so I'm a big believer in that however um, it is a song based music economy and the likelihood that that's going to change is like zero mm -hmm. so so that's there so how do you make then an event out of a song, a single song. We've, we've had some challenges even making events out of full albums. Um, there's often been like some critique of the music business that the, the making an event out of an album release, like you know, the, in, the music industry doesn't kind of do or, or devote the resources to do like what a movie does when a movie's coming out. Mm -hmm. Or even now when like a series is going to debut on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or one of those um, um, outlets. So now, if you're releasing a song and you want to make an event out of the song, okay, Madonna came out with holograms on a live televised award show where she's singing it with her duet partner for the first time. So we're going to see that, and I do absolutely believe that you're good, we're going to have to have more experiential elements. Now, will there be sort of pushback to that? Because again, you know, or, or is that going to bring us back to my original comment about art and science? Because certainly the technology around like holograms and artificial intelligence and virtual reality are all based in, you know, a lot of science and, you know, amazing technology. So trying to marry that with this experience of, you know, the magic that comes from creating a song, you know, we're going to see how, how is it going to be manifest? How is it going to be used? You know, it will eventually get exploited, I'm sure, in some fashion. Um, how can it be monetized? Because that's another big, we haven't really talked about that, but that's like a other big piece of this. Okay, everybody wants, you know, a, as a life, this is something that's got to be commercialized and monetized so everyone gets paid. Um, you know, Dave and I are getting paid to teach, and I'm also getting paid to run an association. But, you know, songwriters need to be paid, and producers and engineers and people who work at labels need to be paid. And now we're going to bring in, you know, a lot of these tech-specific mm -hmm. specialists who are going to bring another dimension to what we do, and then they're going to have to be paid. So costs, the cost of this, so how will this then be presented to the average music fan to encourage them? We have a whole big thing um, display 
space this this week uh, on high res and on um, you know sound the sound quality and the immersive experience and you know the raising the level of the listening experience of music so that's another dimension of this so like you know we got a lot of buckets here of what 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 combination of all these things is really part of what's going to come next but it, it's going to be that there's going to be lots of experimentation happily because of streaming the music business is growing again which means that companies are investing again which means that people are hiring more again maybe different types of jobs but hiring more again and all of that means that there'll be more um, opportunity to experiment we've, we've gone through a lot of years post-recession years um, where it was really hard and you know actually post Napster years yeah. interesting we're now in the 20th we're in the 20th you know year 20th anniversary I don't know if people would celebration talk about of it. Napster yeah I don't right. know that we would talk about it as an anniversary but it is it's a commemoration of so Napster 20 years ago and everything we went through from Napster to now and look at where we are now and streaming's the dominant model and now it's growing again you know and that means there's going to be investment and if there's investment there'll be experimentation and if there's experimentation like new things will happen you know there's there's without question maybe here somewhere in the in the halls of the JW Marriott Nashville there's a person maybe a young person but a person who has an idea that this week they'll meet someone they'll make a connection there'll be some collaboration, maybe some investment, and it'll be like a next big thing. You know, we don't know. Could be now, could be this week, could be next week, uh, but something has to come. A lot of students come up to me at the end of the semester and say, so okay, so streaming, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what's, the, like you're asking, like well so now what's gonna replace streaming? Mm -hmm. Like what will the next complete upending be? You know, no, if I had that answer, mm -hmm. you know, we don't have that answer. But my answer to that is that it will probably draw from a lot of these buckets and we'll all be amazed and um, excited mm -hmm. when it happens. Quick question about the industry overall. The way music is, and, and it's a great story about how music 20 years ago um, actually didn't fall off the cliff really until like 01, but then, you know, the beginnings mm -hmm. of it had it in 99. Um, but how it did finally bounce back and now it's growing again. So if I want any song in the world, I could go to Spotify or I could go to Amazon, I could go to Apple and I have access to mm -hmm. it. In the movie industry, they're doing it in a different way. If I want to watch the new Star Wars movie and stream it, I have to go to, I'll have to go to the new Disney Plus. If I want something else, I can only get it at Netflix, or mm -hmm. I can only get it at Amazon. Um, do you? How do you feel about that as it relates to with music? One place you can get everything. Movies you have to, yeah. in theory, subscribe to Hulu and five other yeah, different I, places. Yeah, I. The models are different because for for many 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 years it was very um, very frustrating to us in in music that people were willing to pay you know x dollars a month for cable so that they could have access to you know tv mm -hmm. but for some reason that behavior wouldn't translate over to music you know people were file sharing and you know illegal downloading whatever 
of music, but yet they would pay a hundred plus dollar a month cable bill. They didn't see them the same way. Music felt more like like you know air because mm -hmm. it was just there. But yet you could open your faucet and get a glass of water, but yet you would go into a store and buy a bottle of Fuji. Well, why would you do that if you could just? So it's like music has kind of occupied this interesting this interesting space. In answer to the specific question, um, <clears throat> it's taken us a long time to get people to pay and make it worth their while to subscribe so that there's benefits to subscribing and you know investing in your love of music. Um, I'm not one of those who believes that people would subscribe to like five different music services. It's taken us <laughs> a long time to get people to subscribe to choose one mm -hmm. and explore whatever you can explore. For some reason, TV and movies has always been kind of different in that respect, even though, like think how interesting this is, and I certainly was a consumer of this, like how many times if you bought like a packaged DVD, like how many times would you actually watch that movie? Maybe a kid's movie, your kids would watch like, you know, How to Train Your Dragon like a million times because then it becomes a quasi-babysitter in mm -hmm. some ways. Mm -hmm. But like how many times would, a, you know, an older, a more adult person watch that movie? I'm going to say probably not a lot of times, mm -mm. but like how many times would you listen to an album that you truly love by an artist you truly love? Probably dozens of times. Like when you're studying, um, when you're multitasking, when you're cooking, when you're exercising, when you're in the car, like a lot of times. And yet, in that, you know, in that time span, more people would have kind of gotten it some other way than they would actually buy it. Mm -hmm. Even though it was like when we, we had a program that we called Give the Gift of Music because music was really still a great gift item. So people would like to give a CD or vinyl because it's something you open and it's really a gift. And one of the taglines um, through the years that we were doing that um, was that music was the present with a future because mm -hmm. you give it to someone and they're probably not going to listen to it once unless it's horrible and put mm -hmm. it, and it's an artist that they don't like, and put it on the shelf. No, it's, they're going to make an attachment to that. And so... Like, it is interesting to, to look at the comparisons of entertainment media, intellectual property, um, access models, and they're, they are pretty different. They are pretty different um, in the way that we will, you know, value them and interact with them. And I guess to put the period on that, I guess the way, because of the way you describe the relationship between the consumer and vid video or television mm -hmm. versus music, right. is that um, since they were used to cable and paying a lot of money for cable and having access to a thousand channels, um, as they cut the cord to cable, they may just subscribe to Disney, Netflix, Hulu, because they're kind of used to in the habit of paying for that. Yeah, the behavior's, the behavior's there. So you're right about that. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it all unfolds. Now, of course, on cable, there's also music choice. So there are music channels that are part of your cable. So you are actually getting some music. It's thematic, you know, sort of along the lines of, of Pandora. But, of course, Pandora is portable. And 
you know, there's other dimensions and probably why like millions and millions of people, you know, listen to Pandora. Um, music choice is in your house, so you have to be in your house mm -hmm. watching your TV to enjoy it. But it is thematic, you know, you, you know, put on the channel that's like seasonal or mm. 80s hits or whatever. So, so there is a music dimension even to your cable subscription, but you're not making the choice. I mean, it's not, you know, completely interactive in that, you know, I want to hear Drake now mm -hmm. and I want to hear God's plan now. And then I want to hear Megan Trainers all about that bass. Oh, really? Well, yeah, that's what I want to hear. So in that case, okay, well, then you're going to subscribe to one of these services where you can make a playlist. And when you change your mind, you can change that playlist. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing we, you didn't ask about and I didn't really mention, but is completely huge. And, you know, Amazon's um, workshop today was generally, like, about this, is voice. So voice, yeah, so voice activation, um, the, the interactivity, um, this, it's just, this is going to be like so um, powerful. Um, and this isn't just about music. It's just going to be a powerful um, transformation of life in general, how we do things, um, to be able to just say, um, you know, come pick up my dry cleaning. And the device has been programmed so it knows to call the dry cleaner that's going to come pick up your dry cleaning. I'm that just pulled that out of my head. I don't mm -hmm. even know if that's a real th a real way, but mm -hmm. maybe um, or ordering food or calling someone or listening to a song or getting advice or what's the weather or whatever. That's going to be it's already been transformative. It's going to really have a lot more impact because I know that the purveyors and the engineers and the people that are providing us with that technology are you know getting even deeper into how we can interact and relate with artists and music and now there are visual component going to be visual there already are visual components to these devices as well so um, that's probably the that's probably an even closer what's next you asked earlier about the what's next so i'd put that i'd put voice and all that interactivity and the deeper dives into that experience. And of course, that is virtual reality. That is artificial intelligence. Alexa is, mm -hmm. that's, the underpinnings of that are artificial intelligence. So it's, I think it's all gonna kind of be in this like big mix and we're gonna see like what surfaces and what new companies that aren't even part of the arena right now, what non-endemic entities are kind of looking at this space and saying, hmm, like, you know, we could invest in this. We have ideas. We could do something to, like, enter this space. So we're at a, we're at a wonderful time, um, and we've been through the mill. So it's really great to be at a time where, you know, there's just a lot of inspiration. You know, there's a lot of reasons to be inspired. There's a lot of reasons artistically and commercially uh, to be inspired by what's going on and what opportunities there are. Well, we had a good time, and this was inspiring, and <laughs> yeah. now we do need to wrap it up. Yes. <laughs> the timing was perfect. It was a good time. Allie? Yes, you got it right. Thank you for being here, Allie yes. Medico. I'm going to clap for you. Allie! <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And then, of course, we have to give great big thanks yes. to <laughs> El Presidente, the Music Biz Association, uh. Mr. James Donio. Thank you. 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 Thank
Applause, applause. Yes, big, big applause in a big room like this. So (laughs) one hand claps. It's like three. (laughs) It's amazing. So thank you for everybody listening. And at the end of every show, we do not say hello. You know what we say, James? No. We say, and you can say it with me. Adios. 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 Hold the S. Bonita, y yo mala.